0: And because of that, I sort of limited myself and I only started making YouTube videos and posting on LinkedIn when I kind of got some achievements uh, in my belt. Um, yeah. But I think my recommendation for students would be to start as soon as you can um, because building your personal brand is not just about showing people your achievements, but also showing them how you got there. And even at the start, you might not know what, you would, um, what experiences you might go through in a couple of years time. But documenting your journey would really help yourself out and also help students
1: as well. So Lucy, one of the most interesting parts um, about your particular journey so far, to me, um, was your YouTube channel, Tech with Lucy. Um, you know, in our previous discussions, you know, you've talked about how. Um, you post sort of tech-related videos um, which are sort of focused towards students, whether it be sort of late high school, sort of early university. Um, that's sort of the impression that I got. I mean, just watching your videos, you know, I've come across a few sort of key themes that span across your videos. Um, but firstly, that being the videos are based almost entirely on your own experience. So they're grounded in a, like a sense of realism. Um, secondly, you know, those, those experiences are reflected in a very honest and sort of personal lens. Um, And lastly, uh, most of the videos are very instructive and informative. They offer some sort of tip or guidance um, or information for students particularly. So Lucy, I just wanted to start with the inspiration behind the YouTube channel. Um, Where exactly did that come from? um, And essentially, why did you start that YouTube channel? Yep.
0: so that's a pretty good description. Um, So my YouTube channel is targeted to basically young professionals and people still in uni, or maybe people who are um, in high school trying to figure out what they wanna study um, in university. So I guess the inspiration sort of came from um, kind of reflecting on my uni experience and thinking about what sort of questions I wanted answered. Um, Mm. And so I've kind of based all my videos around that, um, whether that be how to get an internship, um, and any student advice for people who are interested in tech, but don't um, want to go into a technical career. So yeah, I guess that's sort of the inspiration and where it came yeah. from. So kind of thinking about um, what sort of videos first year Lucy would have wanted to watch.
1: Yeah, and like in our previous discussions as well, like um, you, you've talked about again, you know, how it's sort of grounded in your own experience and uh, a few of those videos are you know, quite personal um, you know, from, my, from my sort of perspective. Um, one of those videos being you know some of the difficulties you faced um in an aws exam for example um where i think you mentioned that you you did it a couple times and sort of struggled with passing it so was it is it difficult for you to some extent um in some videos in trying to be you know as authentic and personal like as you are is it difficult for you or are you someone who just is totally comfortable with that
0: yeah it's something that doesn't really come naturally i think um, yeah. especially with putting yourself out there online. Um, um, I guess like putting parts where you're not too um, happy about. So for mm-hmm. example, like um, the, the one you mentioned about me failing an AWS certification exam. So yeah. that one I was kind of hesitant about putting online, um, but I guess I was really glad I did because in the comments, there were so many people who resonated with it and I was getting mm-hmm. a lot of comments going like, oh, I passed. Um, I failed this exam as well. So that was really good. Um, And I guess whenever it comes to putting yourself out there, you can just kind of think about what value you can bring from your own failures and your own experiences and think about whether that's worth sharing or not. And I think also um, in terms of, I guess, fear of judgment um, when it comes to people thinking that, you know, you failed and, you know, this must be like really bad to put online. um, Mm -hmm. Definitely don't let that limit you if you feel like your experiences can add value to other people and will be worthwhile for other people to listen to
1: yeah I think it's it's easier for people to sort of particularly when you're putting yourself out there online it's easier for people to connect with you if you're if you're like not bsing them essentially you're like being like authentic and real in that in that in that respect you're not trying to sort of create like a persona that's not based on your own experience yeah you mentioned there as well about how you know you wanted to get um, like a, you wanted to promote the non-technical side of tech. Um, I might have uh, misquoted you there, but like just on that point, um, just, I just want to elaborate on that point a bit further, particularly in the context of those last couple of videos you did, um, which were about sort of focusing on the non-technical side of, side of tech. Um, so I think one of them was uh, called five in-demand jobs in tech that don't require coding, which I assume yeah. is a technical skill. So I just wanted to ask um, from an outsider, from someone who doesn't really know anything about tech, is there a bit of a a misunderstanding or a misconception that students hold that tech requires all these technical skills, one of which is coding? Does that exist out there in your experience?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think the misconception is getting better now, Um, but sometimes when I ask my friends if they're interested in maybe applying to AWS, for example, or Google, Mm. Microsoft, Um, And they tell me that because they don't come from a computer science degree, that they're probably not going to apply. Um, But there's actually so many roles out there in these companies, um, whether that be in these large tech companies or startups, that really require skills that are non-technical. Because in tech companies, there's people who build the product, there's people who um, sell the product, and there's people who market it and there's also people who kind of make sure that the business can sustain itself um, in terms of operations and things like that. So there's so many different avenues you can go into as a student who's interested in a tech company, um, but Mm. don't necessarily have skills in coding because there's definitely other skills you can bring um, to the role.
1: Yeah, and like just for you personally, are you someone who is sort of developing your own skills in coding at the moment?
0: Um, I think at the moment I'm trying to learn coding Um, Because I think it's definitely helpful on my role, Um, but it's definitely not like a hard requirement. And it's also it's always something that's nice to have. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: 100 percent. And, you know, speaking of sort of developing skills and um, I suppose overcoming obstacles to that extent when you're obviously with your YouTube channel, um, you're, I assume you're curating and creating the content yourself. And I imagine, you know, that would have come with its fair share of challenges initially. Um, and you know, in our previous discussions, we've talked about how, you know, it took you almost 10 hours to sort of get that first video out there. Um, what was the biggest challenge for you initially starting at that YouTube channel? Was it learning new skills, learning how to record, edit videos? What was that biggest hurdle for you?
0: Yeah, I think, Aside from the big hurdle of actually starting, so I guess getting over the fear of um, putting myself out there, um, there were definitely a lot of other limitations and challenges that I faced along the way that I really didn't expect other YouTubers to be facing because it's all kind of behind the scenes. And if you don't do it yourself, you don't really realize like everything that goes into it. Um, So I think the main challenges were definitely, um, I guess, choosing what camera equipment to buy how to set up the audio so you know all the technicalities Mm. and then it comes down to how to talk in front of a camera so that's a whole different skill in itself as well because it's not as conversational as like how we're talking right now it's more to like you basically talk in front of like a circle on a camera Uh, so that's kind of challenging and definitely something to learn and Mm. yeah the final part is just editing it um, trying to figure out how to use like basically complicated software and Trying to make sure that you cut your video down so that it really adds value. at Basically, every single minute of the video. So mm-hmm. I guess those were some challenges along the way, and still trying to figure um, stuff out.
1: Yeah, I guess it's a, it's definitely you know, like everything, it's a work in progress, and you're constantly you know learning new ways to be you know more effective and uh, and more efficient. Um, just on a more general point that you've you've brought up before, which I thought you know was really interesting and really resonated with me was you know, you talked about how in the context of your YouTube channel, but this could go t- towards anything. Um, you talked about how you should start when you're not ready, you know, when you don't feel totally prepared or qualified, or you don't have that security that um, you, you imagined you'd have. Um, can you just elaborate on that in a bit more detail? Like, what does that mean to you? Um, and was that something that you, you relied upon when you were sort of uh, trying to dealing with those struggles Mm. creating your youtube channel
0: yeah that's a really good question because i really regret not starting earlier um and i'm okay with it kind of because you know i've already started and i guess the best time to start is now Um, and i think looking back the reason i didn't end up starting um i guess a blog or um Mm. making youtube videos or putting myself out there on social media to build my personal brand is sort of because i didn't have the qualifications or I didn't feel like I had the qualifications to be able to um, add value to that community because I didn't do an internship um, I wasn't doing student societies and because of that I sort of limited myself and I only started making YouTube videos and posting on LinkedIn when I kind of got some achievements uh, in my belt Um, but I think my recommendation for students would be to start as soon as you can Um, Because building a personal brand is not just about showing people your achievements, but also showing them how you got there. And even at the start, you might not know what you would, um, what experiences you might go through in a couple of years time, but documenting your journey would really help yourself out and also help students as well.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's a good way to put it actually. And, you know, in our previous conversations, you also mentioned, was it someone you know, said to you, like a colleague or, or like a mentor, like prompted you to start a YouTube channel? Is that right? Uh,
0: not no? specifically for a YouTube channel, but, yeah. um, someone prompted me to start posting on LinkedIn and that was a really defining right. moment for me. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think like, especially with things like with platforms like LinkedIn, it's very easy to get, you know, swept up in like, well, LinkedIn is about showing your resume, essentially um, increasing your employability prospects. So you want to put down your qualifications, you, where, your certifications, where you went to school, what awards you have, what scholarships you received. Uh, and that's why I think, you know, comparing that to what your YouTube channel is, um, you know, it's, it's almost night and day. It, it's more of a, it's more of an accurate representation of your own journey and your own experiences on your YouTube channel, which, which I think is, is stands in you know, direct contrast to a lot of the other um, you know, social media platforms out there as well. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I wanted to also um, just sort of along the same lines as your YouTube channel is just delve in your delve into your passion and interest for tech specifically. Um, obviously, you know that's one of the premises of your YouTube channel. So, um, just firstly, Lucy, to that end, um, where exactly did your passion for tech come from? Um, what made you get into tech? Um, uh, and why is it? Why are you so passionate about it?
0: Yeah. Um, so I guess this sort of stems from basically high school because mm-hmm. I remember attending like a technology and leadership conference and that really opened my eyes up into um, the different options available within yeah. um, tech because I think um, when I was younger, I was always interested in laptops and you know, things like that um, in technology, but I wasn't sure like what sort of jobs I can find in the tech industry because I was exposed to that at an early age. But that um, conference really showed me the different pathways I could go into. Um, Mm. They talked about roles like being a software engineer, being a consultant, roles like that. So um, those sounded really interesting. And so I enrolled in an information systems degree and was able to learn more about tech. And that sort of led me to uh, my career at, at AWS, which is a tech company. And yeah, it's been pretty good so far. Um, but yeah. I would say, yeah, it stemmed at a pretty early age.
1: So as we touched on just there, Lucy, um, you are a, an employee of, um, AWS and you've, you know, you've had a couple of roles throughout the company as well. So for those that don't know, can you tell us about how you, your first role uh, at a- AWS, how did that opportunity uh, come across your lap? Um, and where have you moved throughout the company since that initial role?
0: Yep. So my journey with AWS started um, May of last year. So I applied for an intern position and I saw that on LinkedIn. So I uh, messaged the person who shared the post on LinkedIn, uh, which happened to be my future manager, which was pretty interesting. Um, And so I guess by doing that, um, I was able to go into the next stages of interviewing for the role and um, ended up accepting the offer. And then afterwards, after six months in that role, I did a summer internship in the professional services team in AWS. And then after that, in January of this year, I started full-time as a solutions architect. So that's sort of like the progression pathway. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and I think it was in a LinkedIn post previously, you you sort of reflected on your time at AWS and you talked about the three biggest takeaways from uh, being an employee at AWS. Um, that being number one, uh, building meaningful meaningful relationships. Uh, number two, setting clear goals. And number three, um, to always be open to learning and to be curious. Um, so I was just wondering if you'd, you'd be able to expand on that a bit further. Um, you know, how did you, you know, come to those sort of realizations and how did they help you at your time at AWS? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting
0: one. And I think I'll probably expand on the one that's um, learn and be curious because that's yeah. the one that I really resonate with because I think as an intern you have the mindset that you sort of have to know some things going in and but in reality yeah. I think it's just all about the mindset you don't really need to know anything going in you learn everything along the way and I think that internship really taught me like really taught me the importance of continuous learning um, and even going in as a grad there's a whole bunch of things to learn on the new role And so learning and be curious is something I really resonated with, and it's actually Mm. one of um, AWS's 14 leadership principles. So it's kind of the things that we live by day to day and the way we um, do our work and interact with customers. So, yeah, Yeah. I think that's really important for any student to are applying for an intern role, ended up getting in and might feel a bit of imposter syndrome because they feel like they're not as qualified as other people, for example. Um, but don't let that limit you, because I think the mindset and the attitude is the most important at the end of the day uh, when you become an intern.
1: Yeah, I think on that point you mentioned earlier about um, sort of as understanding that you 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 have certain skills and certain knowledge uh, going going into the role, particularly for internships. I think that's definitely you know something that I've experienced um, previously, and I think a lot of other people have as well. Um, so I think it's really cool to hear you. Um, here you talk about how, you know, that's not, that's not the case in real life, you know, um, an internship is basically a learning opportunity. Um, that's yeah. another way you know to put it. Um, you know, just uh, on the point of reflecting upon your experiences at AWS, you've talked about how you started working there um, during the pandemic. Obviously, that was a you know, super difficult time for many people, uh, particularly if you're starting a new job. Uh, I, might, I imagine that would have been really challenging to, you know, Build relationships with your your manager, team members, um, sort of f- familiarizing yourself with the the culture of the company. Um, what, was there a sort of particular challenge that um, sort of made life difficult initially, starting during the pandemic, um, or were there other challenges aside from that which you which you struggled
0: with? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah. And yeah, that, that reminds me why I put it into one of my lessons in the LinkedIn article. Um, yeah, because I think men- I was already mentally prepared going in that there's going to be a lot of calls, um, a lot of video calls to meet the team and to just um, do my work as an intern as well and get to know other people within the company. Um, but I think the one thing that I wasn't really mentally prepared for is I guess the kind of um, like in my company people just call it like the water cooler conversations where um, you meet people uh, just when you're kind of walking around getting a drink Um, I sort of didn't have that as an intern when um, I was interning during the pandemic Um, I think that was one thing that I really had to um, be account like keep in consideration when it came to six-month internship and because of that because i couldn't have those casual conversations and meet people randomly i kind of had to create those opportunities by myself by organizing 30-minute catch-ups with just random people in the company that i thought were really interesting and i really wanted to hear their career journey and sort of their um like how they got to where they are now in aws so i guess that would be an advice i have for students even right now when restrictions are kind of settling down and people are going back to the office it's still important to booking those 30 minute time slots um, with people in the team and outside the team to just gain a wider perspective of sort of what makes the company um, and how the company sort of um, how how the company sort of fits in together with like the different roles.
1: Yeah. And obviously like your time at AWS was uh, you know one of the internships that you've you've done. Um, you've also gained experience at you know PWC, Deloitte and CodeCamp. Um, and we've touched on, you know, sort of the nature of internships, but, you know, you know, as you know, it's, it's a it's a learning opportunity and it's sort of the conventional way for students to gain sort of industry experience and, you know, practical hands on experience. Um, by the same token, obviously, there's a lot of competition and it's, you know, it's quite tough to get land an internship. Um, I think I, I have definitely resonated with that. and I'm pretty sure you can you can as well um in an interview again with uh, women in digital you talked about um you know some practical tips to help students navigate the internship landscape if you like Um, and you talked about how uh, students shouldn't just apply um, they should come up with creative ways to demonstrate the value that they can bring to the company um so to that extent i suppose it's about you know being proactive and taking initiative um, to that end can you elaborate on that a bit further, Lucy? Um, what exactly did you mean by that um, That tip to students?
0: Yeah, um, I think you summed it up really well. It's all about kind yeah. of being proactive and coming up with different ways to show your value to the company because it is quite competitive these days when it comes to applying for jobs and especially getting your very first internship. Um, mm. And I think to elaborate on that, it's really about um, not just doing things that you think would be good for your resume, but also doing things that you think would kind of build your skills during your time in university.
1: So another really important part of your journey to date, particularly in the tech space, is the is the award you received, the 2020 Women in Digital Rising Star of the Year Award, which was sponsored by AWS. And 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 from what I what I understand, that award was sort of founded on the idea that you can't be what you can't see. Um, so I just wanted to ask you and sort of put that quote to you, Um, in your experience, you know, is it important for you to, to see women in the tech space for you? Is it important to see that representation for you? Um, and as silly as, as this might sound, but why is it important for, you know, for like to see women, you know, doing cool things in the tech space for you?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I definitely really resonate with the importance of having diverse teams, um, not only diversity in gender, but also diversity in thought as well. Because at the end of the day, I think companies like AWS and other tech companies, we're trying to serve our customers and our customers, they are very diverse. So um, people of yeah. different ideas, different race, um, people just all over, all over the world. And because of that, I think it's important for the workforce to reflect that as well.
1: So with that particular award, I'm interested into, you know, um, what that award meant to you at that particular time in your journey. So like for you, did you view it as something that, you know, was sort of like recognition of the work that you have been doing in the tech space? Um, you know, notably the, the society you co-founded, which we'll talk about a bit later, um, was the, was receiving the award a bit like motivating for you? Um, was it, Or was it something that you just sort of glanced by? How did you sort of receive the award?
0: Yeah, I think it definitely was pretty encouraging to receive the award. Um, But I think the main takeaway from the award evening and everything like that was to be able to see other women um, also being acknowledged and recognized. Uh, That was a really good experience to be able to see that. So
1: in a a written interview you did sort of um, alongside receiving the award, um, you talked about how uh, you you were sort of reflecting on your high school experience. um, And you were talking about how you had a sort of feeling of emptiness uh, and a question of what if um, after your high school experience, uh, about how you sort of tended to stick with the familiar and sort of lacked initiative to challenge yourself and get out of your comfort zone. Um, which is definitely something that I resonated with um, looking back on those high school years um, you know for me personally um, but then you, you you talked about how you know when you began university you decided to take a different a different approach so do you think that's a, a challenge that you know a lot of other students you know might have you know transitioning from high school to you know university or tertiary education
0: yeah definitely I can see it as a challenge because sometimes it's like you don't want to have the same regret um, as you did in high school about not putting yourself out there enough and just kind of being comfortable and staying within your comfort zone Um, but I also see it as a huge opportunity because uni is like a fresh start and especially for people who are going to universities where not many people in their high school are going to it's basically a completely new start for them where they can uh, find new interests and build skills and find different societies to join I think it's such a good opportunity going into university and it kind of, I guess, kind of going through that high school experience and then feeling regret kind of motivates you to put yourself out there more in university. So I I would see it more as an opportunity.
1: And I think you're definitely a testament of that um, because you co-founded a society when you were at university. You didn't just join one, you created a new one. Um, And again, I was looking, I think it was, it might've been in the interview you did with Women in Digital, but um, you were talking about how um, you sort of, you came up with the idea for that society with a group of friends um, and you sort of identified like a white space or a gap in the in the market for societies at university, um, which was University of New South Wales. Um, so Lucy, I just want to cast your mind back to when you started that that society, co-founded it. Um, what was that experience like to you I mean, looking back on it now? Um, where exactly did that, all, did that all come from?
0: Yeah, I think looking back It was a really good experience and I'm really glad I started it. Um, But I think at the start there were definitely hesitations because I wasn't sure if it was gonna work out. Um, I wasn't sure if it was okay to start a society that might overlap with something else. Um, And yeah, I wasn't sure if I was sort of capable to run a society and sort of um, work alongside a team of 30 something people. But yeah, looking back, it's been a really good experience with so many different skills that I picked up along the way. And it really taught me that um, it's not just about kind of having everything ready um, and having all the skills and all the experience before you start the society, but also just continuous learning and learning things and picking things up along the way when you sort of need to.
1: Exactly. And that sort of goes back to what you were talking about earlier when you started your YouTube channel about, um, you know, putting aside the fact that you might not be as qualified or have the right skills or experiences. um, I definitely sort of see that as like a, um, uh, sort of common theme throughout this this conversation, if you like. So, I mean, just with the society specifically, it's the U- UNSW Digital Society. Um, for those that don't know, what exactly does that society do? Like what kind of events and activities do they do they have and do you guys offer for uh, UNSW students?
0: Yeah, so it's a tech focused society, um, okay. but it more specifically focused towards the branches of product design, Um, digital innovation and also digital strategy so we focus on these three main pillars and we sort of tailor all our events towards that Um, and we try to build a community for people who are interested in careers in these three fields so I guess yeah that would be a very small summary of the society
1: and yeah I was having a look at some of the sort of initiatives that you guys do and I definitely do think that you fill a space which is not which was not currently filled by other sort of similar tech or digital based societies at um, the university. And I think that's really cool. Um, So, you know, we talked about how you started the idea with a group of friends and, you know, you were initially a a little bit hesitant and reluctant to start um, this project. I think anyone would be, to be quite frank. But when you were coming up with the proposal to start the uh, society, Uh, I'm interested in sort of how other people responded to that around you. Um, You know, we talked about it before, but um, were people around you sort of receptive to the idea? Did they encourage you, motivate you? Or were there people around you that were like, just abandon this right away, this is never gonna work. Go join an existing successful society. What was the reaction um, from people around you there, Lucy?
0: Yeah, it was definitely very mixed responses when yeah. I told some people that they were pretty encouraging, they're like, yeah, I can see a need for this. Like definitely go ahead. And um, I, I support this. Um, and mm-hmm. there are some people who are less reluctant on it, but I think it's okay for people who are not, um, if they're not fully supportive of it at the beginning, because sometimes you have this big vision in your head about how it all connects and how it's going to fit into um, like the future, you know, direction of the university society space and, the events you're going to hold and sometimes you don't have time to explain to someone like the whole like your whole plan and thought process behind what you want to yeah. do you, like what you say is um, I want to start a society and I'm going to create a society focused around this and I guess when you told people the idea just say that statement people might interpret it uh, differently but yeah overall I think if you get mixed signals from people um, some mm. people are supportive some people are not I think it's still really important to go with your gut feeling and if you think it's a strong idea definitely go ahead and start the thing that you want to do
1: yeah you brought up an interesting point there about you know uh, like in those initial stages you just have an idea right like there's nothing sort of tangible for people to see it's sort of difficult to sell people on an idea initially Um, and i think you know if for people who've started whatever project, society or initiative, um, I think you know, a lot of other people can resonate with that sentiment as well. I, I thought that was really interesting to me personally. So reflecting on that you know, that whole um, you know, creating a society experience, you sort of summed up and wrapped, that exp- wrapped up that experience on an article you posted on LinkedIn called uh, Five Things I Wish I Knew Before Starting a New Student Society on Campus. Uh, which is very aptly named, very specific. Um, so you talked about some really practical tips and guidance you know, for others starting a society. Um, I won't put you on the spot and ask you to recite all five of those, but was there a, a particular message that you were trying to get across or was there a particular takeaway which um, which, you really, which you found was you know, most important for you?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, there's one that really resonated and that was the first one I remembered when I thought about the five it's to keep reaching out and I think a phrase like reach out reach out reach out Um, and I think it's because at the start when you're building a new society or just any sort of side project you Mm -hmm. sort of need to show your work when it comes to um, what you want to do in terms of the idea, how many events you want to hold, things like that. And you can't do it on your own. So you have to find like different partnerships, sponsorships, and people who can vouch for you and also people who can sort of come on the show and um, run events alongside you or decide mm-hmm. to be a guest for, I guess, either your industry panel or become a mentor for your mentoring program. Um, so I guess yeah. it's all about reaching out and you sort of have to put yourself out there at the start for people to see um, the project that you're working on and all the society that you're building so that yeah. you can expand your member base that way
1: yeah and i think we talked about it previously in an earlier discussion but you know when you were for example reaching out to um sort of external stakeholders for like sponsorships or whatever the case may be um like initially did you find that people were you know willing to get on board did you get knocked back a lot and sort of how did you sort of approach that and did that deter you at, at any stage
0: yeah I think that taught me two things. Um, first of yeah. all, it's kind of like a numbers game because sometimes it's up to chance. If you reach out to 15 different companies, maybe five of them will respond and three of them end up um, being a partner or a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, but second of all, I think it's about really taking the time to sit down and think about what your vision for the society is or your project is because you haven't demonstrated any metrics to show the success of it. It's all sort of in your head and written down any proposals. So I guess I would say I learned about um, really taking the time to make sure that the, um, the proposal that I write or the idea that I'll portray is a really strong one. And I always prepare for any questions that they might be asking in terms of the future direction of it or um, if they ask, like, what if this happens? What, what are you going to do if this happens? So I guess always yeah. coming up with, like, plan Bs as well. So really thinking through the idea so that, um, that way when you reach out, you get, like, a higher success rate.
1: Yeah, and I suppose having a really strong purpose and vision for the society is obviously very, very important, if not, you know, one of the most important things I imagine. Um, and then, you know, there comes a point when you sort of have to put pen to paper and sort of realize or actualize that purpose um, in real life. So I'm interested in some of the sort of resources that you use. I think you mentioned, you know, Canva was really you know, helpful for you guys starting that society. Give us an idea into some of the resources that you guys used when you were trying to get uh, the digital society up and running and off the ground.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, And I think sometimes starting a society is kind of like starting your own sort of non-for-profit business or company. And it's because there's so many people involved and um, because of that, you sort of need to use project management tools, um, sort of design tools and just things at every step of the journey. So when it came to our graphic designs and things like that and our marketing, Canva was really helpful because we could sort of use a lot of their templates out there. And Canva actually invited us to speak on stage and talk about how Canva has helped the society grow from the very start. So that was a really interesting experience. Um, I guess other tools were um Trello, which was good to uh, manage tasks. So yeah. it gives like the whole team overview of what there is to do um, in terms of kind of the events, logistics and things like that. Um, And yeah, I think those are the main two tools. And I guess for communication, we use Discord and Slack to um, communicate with the team.
1: Yeah, and I suppose just one sort of final sort of like remark or question to you, Lucy, on the the digital society you co-founded. you've sort of mentioned there how you know it's important to you know have a team and sort of rely on a team um, to sort of leverage their you know um, skills and experiences that they're bringing to the table um so i'm just interested i'm quite interested in like what it's like you know working in that space particularly with, with a society you know did you find that you know the, the purpose it was difficult to you know have a consistent purpose when you you brought people on board Um, Did you experience that that at all or were you able to sort of have that purpose, you know, remain very, you know, um, solid and very consistent throughout the the years of running the society?
0: Yeah, Um, it was, I think the purpose itself didn't shift that much because I think we all had the mission to um, run meaningful events for students Mm. and hold Mm. initiatives that would bring the community together and add value to them. Um, but I think some other things that we sort of clashed on was yep. maybe the frequency of the events and what specific events we wanted to hold to um, realize the vision. And so I think it's all about kind of compromising that, um, making mm. sure that we get up on our point across, but we also are willing to listen to other people's perspectives and um, why they want to do things their way. So I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess thankfully my team was also always like pretty compromising and no one was sort of like stuck in their own idea and wouldn't bulge so I think that was pretty interesting.
1: That's always very helpful when you have like open-minded people um, particularly when you're working in a team. Um, Lucy that pretty much brings us to the end of our our time today. Um, I just wanted to sort of pose one final question. Um, you know, just reflecting on the last 30, 40 minutes uh, of this conversation, like, you know, one of the key takeaways for me is about, you know, how you have, you know, put yourself out there. Um, a lot of the times, you know, from the outside looking in, um, you know, when you started the society or when you, um, you, when you started at AWS or things of that nature um, or your YouTube channel, you know, it was about, you know, being vulnerable and, you know, putting yourself out there. Um, and there's a lot of uncertainty when you do that. Um, because you don't know how people are going to receive a message or an idea that you or a project you're putting out there Um, but I suppose just in closing Lucy you know um, actually just on that you know another key theme for me is about you know taking initiative and being proactive Um, I think that's you know very valuable for other young people out there as well Uh, and it's something that resonates with me uh, in particular Uh, because a lot of the times you know I've definitely been guilty of this where you sort of get a bit lazy and complacent. You sort of think that you know things will fall from the sky, and you know you are entitled to like a particular job or opportunity. But in reality, you know things you know don't actually work that way. You have to um, you know take responsibility um, uh, you know upon yourself and accountability um, you know to make thing hap- make things happen. And I think you know your experiences demonstrate that point you know particularly well. Um, so just in closing, Lucy. Um, you know, you've mentioned you know, some of the key messages you want to get out there to students, particularly in the tech space. but I suppose on a more general point, um, was there any last takeaway or a key message which you might have mentioned previously uh, which you want to just reiterate um, or put out there um, to a student who might be in like high school or university um, just as a closing final point?
0: Yeah, that was really well summarized. Um, and yeah I think I the start with you first, you know put yourself out there there's a lot of uncertainty that you face because you don't know how people are going to react to it. But at the same time, you might, you yourself might not even know what the future direction of what you want to do sort of leads to. So there's just so much uncertainty. But I think the final remark is that sometimes we end up regretting the chances that we didn't take as opposed to the chances that we did take. So if you try something out, um, screwed up visibly or something like that, um, it's definitely okay because you kind of are sort of relieved in a sense that you gave it a go. Um, rather than if you didn't at all
1: and- all right and that's that, that's pretty much a wrap there lucy um again very very thankful um, and appreciative for um, your time today lucy um it is a very cold sydney sydney night um, and i appreciate that it's quite late as well um so i just want to say a big thank you for joining the conversation lucy
0: um and i'm super excited to see where you take things in the future thanks for inviting me on your show